Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. It's that time of year where we uh, talk about the the year in review. Um, Jim, what was the most important thing that happened this last year as far as what we've covered? Uh, actually, it was the most important thing that happened last year was the, was the things that didn't happen. There's been more less terrorism. I mean, it's been a decline since uh, 2014. Uh, in fact, terrorism deaths are down over 50 percent. Uh, you know, since uh, 2014. Uh, last year, I think they were, let's see, they went from 34,000 in 2014 to about mm, 17,000 last year. And they've continued to decline this year. I think Pakistan uh, went under 1,000 uh, terrorism deaths uh, a year inside Pakistan uh, for the first time in, uh, I'd have to check, it's been a long time, uh, over a decade. Uh, India is having a little more because Pakistan is, you know, but that's another story. Uh, but there's, there's still way under, you know, uh, Pakistan, especially per capita. Um, so it's down pretty much everywhere. Uh, and even Iraq, of all places, uh, ISIL is making a comeback there as it were, trying to. Um, but uh, I think that's one reason why the United States is uh, building a third base on the Iraqi uh, this was this was uh, revealed, as it were, around the 9th of early early December, before uh, it was announced that we were pulling the troops out of Syria. And apparently, some of them are going to the uh, that new base, and actually to the other bases. We have, I think, three now in Anbar, and another one up in uh, up in Kurdistan, uh, Kurdland, whatever you want to call it. Um, so even Syria is showing uh, signs of hope. Of course, <laughs> the big problem in Syria is uh, you got a, a melange of, of uh, allies uh, aiding the, uh, the 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 Syrian government, and these allies don't like each other very much. But that's another story. Uh, Africa, as Austin, Austin is covering the uh, last two updates on that for this year, but uh, there is sort of peace in uh, in South Sudan. It's holding, as it were. There will be elections in Congo. Although they've been delayed in uh, in several major cities in the northeast, uh, uh, that three percent of the population will have to wait until uh, I think, jeez, uh, uh, February to vote. Uh, of course, the uh, the new president will be in in like how should I put it? Will be uh, decided by then. Unless he isn't, then those those two areas will become critical. But Austin can explain that. He's been covering that. That's another story. Um, the uh, Afghanistan is uh, is still a mess. It's always a mess. Uh, the uh, in the in the East Asia, you know, a piece is breaking out everywhere. I mean, it's it's looking to be a pretty good new year. And the Philippines, uh, Venezuela is still falling apart. Um, I mean, the people are literally starving. But I mean, there's there's as as yet, and in fact, I doubt if there will be uh, any any civil war because. I mean, the, People would rather get out than, than fight. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. Um, the uh, in the Americas, there's not much else going on. Uh, the uh, in Europe, uh, terrorism deaths are down again. Um, uh, uh, let me see. Uh, I think scared just about everybody. I mean, basically, it's been getting more peaceful. Uh, there's still, you know, tension between Russia and, and NATO, as it were, uh, but that is uh, that is going down for the simple reason that Russia is uh, is losing, as they usually do when they start a war with somebody they don't have to start a war with, or not an undeclared war as, at that, a new Cold War. Um, uh, Putin has bet for the first time this year he's been losing the 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 how should it put the. Uh, the popularity polls inside Russia, uh, and uh, and I think we reported this in the recent Russia update, and the uh, the percentage of Russians blaming him personally for all the problems they've been having, personal problems, has gone over 50%. So that's an interesting development. China, uh, Big Brother is still coming. Uh, <clears throat> China has become a little less aggressive, uh, again, I get because they have more problems at home. 
Korea is still Korea. Uh, Iran is still Iran. But both those countries are not doing well internally, not well at all. Um, and uh, But, you know, peace is breaking out in the Korean Peninsula as well, slowly, unpredictably, as it were. Um, and, and, of course, American troops getting pulled out of uh, out of Syria. And some of them, a lot of them, are, about half of them are coming out of Afghanistan. Again, I think our, the new strategy is let our allies get involved. Uh, I think the the the, uh, the Afghanistan uh, strategy. I'm 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 guessing, and we don't like to you know uh, uh, speculate like that. But uh, it, it apparently uh, a lot of the countries that have been uh, trying to look the other way. Uh, cannot, you know, with the drugs, the heroin coming in from Afghanistan and uh, the UN finally recognizing uh, that Pakistan is the major, you know, supporter um, and instigator of Islamic terrorism in that part of the world, uh, the pressure is going to be on the uh, the Pakistani, the military, actually. I, I mean, Pakistan is a is basically an army with a country attached, as he used to say about Prussia back in the day before the Prussian Empire came apart. Um, and uh, Afghanistan is, is the one that's suffering. And the Afghans are basically, uh, you know, they're aware of it. They admit it. They're in, in Pakistan, the Pushtuns, who there's twice as many Pushtuns as, as there are in Afghanistan, and in Pakistan as there are in Afghanistan. In other words, two-thirds of the Pushtuns are in, in Pakistan, where they're a minority. But they're the biggest minority in Afghanistan, and they control the, the Taliban and the drug trade. Uh, they are the biggest problem. Uh, and But in Pakistan, they realize that they're being played by their own government. Well, <laughs> surprise, surprise. I mean, that's been whispered about for a long time. But now Pushtuns are actually demonstrating. They're out in the streets, and they're basically complaining about their the army. Uh, you know, uh, stirring up and supporting all this terrorism um, and basically letting the Pushtuns do most of the suffering, which is what's happening now. So that's that's a welcome change. Uh, you know, as they say, the first step in recovery is recognize you've got a pro- recognize you have a problem, and you're getting that self awareness in places like uh, Afghanistan. There's also more, of course, um, uh, unrest in Pakistan. Uh, uh, mainly against the uh, censorship that the military is now imposing. Uh, even the courts in Pakistan are now cracking down on the military, which is unheard of. You know, in, in recently we thought the courts were basically going to kowtow to uh, the military, but uh, they're fighting back, and that's that's a welcome change. Although it's dangerous for <laughs> people with no guns to go after all those people with guns, but uh, that's that's a Pakistani problem, which at least the world is starting to recognize. So all in all, uh, there's a lot of good news, you know. Happy New Year. Austin, what well, did uh, you okay, see I'm as sorry, the biggest... Dan. Go ahead. Yeah, what did you see as the biggest story of this last year? <clears throat> well, I'll tell you, there are two, and they're slightly related. The, the biggest is the slight <laughs> yet significant diplomatic political change uh, in the Korean War. Uh, Trump administration's uh, coercive uh, diplomatic effort, really running from February 2017 through June 2018. But a lot of the significant action was in, obviously, the first six months of of this year. Uh, It changed something. Everyone is aware that suddenly an opportunity has appeared to change the military and uh, political uh, gridlock, a very threatening one, on the Korean Peninsula. And yes, the big word is still complete verifiable irreversible denuclearization of North Korea. And the Kim uh, gang regime, they are a gang, they're gangsters. Uh, boy, they, they, they don't want to do that. But they're also confronting their own 
There's some economic opportunity for them. The opportunities to survive, the downside is their destruction. And I believe one of the elements, and when the history's written on this, is that they were convinced that the Trump administration was going to destroy them if they wedded uh, a nuclear warhead to an ICBM that was capable of hitting Seattle and Los Angeles. That's that's kind of the bottom line on that. That's Austin Bay's spe- uh, speculation. But that coercive diplomatic effort the Trump administration uh, executed, and it's still it's still it's it's still continuing, managed to reach uh, the reptilian uh, brain cells <laughs> of Kim Jong Un. I also think he's a greedy, uh, a greedy character. And you know, Trump was telling them that, you know, they built condos in North Korea, you know, <laughs> and he, he had a he had a great future, kid, as long as you denuclearize. That's huge, Dan. And J- Jim served in, in, in South Korea when he was on active duty. I've, yeah, I've been there years ago. <laughs> I know. I know, man. But, you know, th- look, that's and the reason I brought that up, Jim, is that there was a lot that hadn't changed. Until this this last year, this this first time since June of 1950 that you had a a chance to actually move from uh, I call it a, a gridlocked military situation of a frozen war, and that's huge. Now, what I said was related to it is the United States is also using its uh, economic weaponry in a way that uh, oh America did it. With you know, the Marshall Plan was an example of it. We've certainly had it uh, through the Cold War. You know, we could uh, we immensely successful economy that, and the the Soviets couldn't uh, couldn't keep up with it. But more selective use for uh, in in many uh, <laughs> North the North Korea is an example of it. Russia is an example of it. And I'm not just talking about sanctions. I'm talking about uh, economic, uh, economic penalties uh, exacted on senior officials and, and, and the uh, uh, oligarchs. That's the legal, legal component uh, uh, of it. But also the, the, the so-called trade war. Trade war's got China's attention. I'm a little uh, less optimistic about the uh, about China, for instance, just ju- just uh, this week, they, they've installed new radars and surveillance uh, e- equipment, and likely new weapons in the Paracel Islands on one of their big uh, uh, big installations uh, in in the Paracels. And one of their senior uh, officials in the, their maritime commercial uh, uh, shipping. Believe me, though, that's still militarized. Said that uh, that really what we're looking at is is a confrontation between Chinese sovereignty and China's historic rights and the U.S. demand of freedom of navigation. And then he says, you know, it's it's, it's there's no either uh, there's no both. China has sovereignty over that area and. U.S. demands for freedom of navigation, that, that's just an affront to us. I, I, I read it. Yeah, there was an article in a, one of the Australian uh, uh, newspapers just uh, this week quoting the, this fellow's speech. But it's, it's right in line with uh, what you get from uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party in Beijing uh, vis-a-vis the uh, South China Sea. Similar language is used when, they, when things heat up in the Himalayas. I know it doesn't. That sounds like a mixed metaphor, doesn't it, Dana? Heating up in the Himalayas, but uh, it does between India, India and China. These these need to be <clears throat> both of these need to be watched because they're great powers, China and the United States, colliding in the South China Sea, and India is a major regional power with uh, re- reach. Uh, it doesn't have China's global reach. China certainly doesn't have the global reach the U.S. does, but they're still acquiring, building a uh, high-tech military. Now, Jim Jim is quite aware of, of the weaknesses 
of the and we cover that we cover that in depth and we cover it well the weaknesses in, in China's uh, arms buildup, but they're building a lot of stuff. Uh, maybe they won't use it, but their neighbors, Vietnam, the Philippines, Japan, South Korea. There was a Chinese violation of South Korean airspace just this week, too. Uh, A military jet slips in, slips out. They're playing games with their neighbors, and they're taking their neighbors off. We've talked about this on uh, on strategy talk. These are bad signs. I'm not, again, I'm not pessimistic, but there's reasons to sit back and, and soberly confront, soberly confront, what China is doing. Uh, I, I think those, I, I won't, I'll, I'll add something else. Uh, Jim's covered the terror aspect. He wanted me to say something about Congo. These stuttering elections, because they were supposed to happen on Sunday, December the 23rd. They're, they real, there's real signs of, of fraud about uh, probably over half of the country is sick and tired of the Kabilas, and yet Kabila's um, preferred candidate, it's very likely he's going to win uh, the presidency, uh, probably crookedly. Will that ignite a new Great Congo War? That's something we've speculated about. I've written uh, written about it. Uh, oddly enough, there are a lot of people tired of all the fighting. But the fact is, it could. And the, the last one, you know, we've talked about how many people died between 1996 and 2003. You know, some people call them two different Congolese wars. It was the fighting never stopped. And to some degree, it still hasn't. But you know, it's three to five million people. That was a humanitarian disaster. Now, I don't think conditions are where they were. I know they're not. In, in 2000, uh, in 2003, certainly not 1996, but it's the possibility of a conflagration cannot be dismissed. I don't put that in the same league, of course, with uh, China versus the United States, or again the significant change in the uh, in the Kore- on the Korean Peninsula. I'll say one other thing, and this is uh, <clears throat> this is. No, something of a sidebar. Uh, Mexico's cartel war uh, is uh, it's it's still going on. It doesn't seem to be as pervasive as it has uh, in uh, in the past. But there's still murders. Uh, there's uh, a, 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 and ki- and kidnappings. What's interesting to me is the new uh, <laughs> president. Uh, uh, AMLO, uh, uh, Lopez Obrador, has, for about 40 years, Dan, he has been the, the loud man of, the, uh, of, me- of Mexico's uh, left, a socialist, nationalize everything uh, because, the, uh, because of the oligarchs, because of the Yankees and, uh, and uh, whatever. He had the, the standard list of, of demons and how he's president. And one of the things he was claiming he was going to do is renationalize uh, Mexico's uh, oil business. Well, he seems to have backed off on that. He's also agreed to uh, the renegotiated uh, NAFTA that, that the prior president agreed to just this, just this fall. Why? Part of it is, as he understands America's, the U.S.'s, economic might, and the way that New Deal was structured, it gives Mexico a lot of preferred oppor- opportunities for trade and manufacturing at the expense of China. It's that's the way the Mexicans have have uh, Mexicans see it, and that's another dimension of what I said about the United States using its uh, the, you know the e and dime economic power for uh, uh, cut <laughs> diminish China's 
uh, economy, penalize it uh, for not just its Ill, illegal or quasi-legal um, a tra- a trade policies, but also slow down that economic engine that the, the, is powering the Chinese military building. Uh, these things take a while to, to work. None of them are decisive. But that is an example of the United States, I think, using uh, its, its economy to uh, achieve a strategic uh, end in uh, a military competition uh, with another great power. Small. It's, but it's interesting. And it, it happened this year, Dan. Jim, we cover a lot of things that the mainstream media doesn't cover. But what's one of the things that that we did it that we covered that the mainstream media didn't that you think uh, had the biggest impact on last year? Uh, well, I think it's the overall decline in um, in terrorism. The uh, the media, uh, you know, makes money by featuring oh it's it's more terrorism there's you know uh, uh, there's more danger et cetera et cetera et cetera but there isn't uh, the uh, the media also well media in it is two different it's two different media we got to consider uh, the media in the United States is sort of uh, going through a crisis uh, for the last two years they're obsessed with the local pol- national Europe you know American politics um, and uh, that basically uh, colors everything they do. I mean, I, I, of course, I, you know, I use media sources. And one thing I've noticed in the last two years is that you sometimes get reliably completely different stories from, say, the British or the German or the French media uh, than you do from all the, but the most, most of the American mainstream media. Uh, so that's a story, of course, they haven't covered. Uh, although it's, it's, a, it's getting more attention in Europe. Um, uh, especially since you had this uh, this recent scandal where the, the Spiegel, the the uh, uh, the uh, how should I put it, the uh, German news magazine, you know, the it's, they're doing better than Time and Newsweek and, and the U.S. News, the the uh, previous big three in the United States are, um, but they did it basically by pandering uh, to what they thought were the uh, the basic instincts. In other words, as uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, bashing, you know, the uh, President Trump, Donald Trump, uh, and that <laughs> in a uh, how should I put it, in a sweet irony, uh, that bit them in the butt because one of their star reporters who had received the awards from American and and, uh, and European, uh, you know, sources uh, turned out to be a fraud, and most of his fraud had to do with guess what. So uh, that they, to their credit, you know, they basically gave it front page, you know, attention and it's being covered, you know, diligently. Uh, but, you know, this guy is not the only one. Uh, and that's got, the, the, you know, the European media, you know, uh, getting their own house in order and uh, not looking to what's going on in the United States, which is uh, apparently more, uh, you know, illusion uh, than, you know, Act. Uh, so that's good news, which unfortunately, yeah, which yes, very much so, is not being covered by the American press, uh, and uh, that is a big story. Uh, also, you know, the uh, you get that slack in the American press, uh, which basically takes the party line of the uh, the Democratic Party, and it, it basically covers colors everything. I mean, for example, it's sort of a joke. Um, you look at uh, the reporting on Venezuela. And uh, it's always explained as well, bad luck, you know, uh, <laughs> incompetent government. They never mentioned that this is all about socialism. You know, that, that's sort of a, a hot topic you're not supposed to touch. Uh, you got the same thing going on in Britain where they have a, 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 a labor party, which has gone full socialist. And uh, nobody wants to point out, well, why, why do they sort of fall short when they, when they came close to, you know, counting heads? Um of course, the reason is simple. The, you know, the average person can do the basic math involved there. Uh, that's how the, the the post-World War II British socialists lost power. They had it for, you know, what, almost 10 years. And then Churchill was invited back. Please, Mr. Churchill, save us from ourselves. Um, uh, and then eventually they had to get Thatcher back to undo all the nationalization and, and uh, economic chaos uh, that the uh, pie in the sky crowd had uh, basically promulgated. 
but that's always with us. I mean, that goes that's ancient history. The fall of Rome uh, is probably the best example. They had a republic for 500 years and eventually it came apart because of economic issues, uh, government mismanagement, corruption, et cetera, et cetera. So it's an old story. I mean, that's, that's something else that rarely gets covered. Uh, you know, Thomas Jefferson, one of the founders of the, uh, of the American Republic, he pointed out, we need a revolution every 20 years. And it took me a while to figure out what he meant. I dug into that a little deeper. He wasn't talking about, you know, uh, you know, violent revolution, but you got to clean up the government. And of course, we, we, we missed a number of 20 year cycles. Uh, but you'll notice that the people, econ- even economists notice that every time there's a there's a boom uh, in the American economy, it tends to be about the same time there was a they cleaned the, the uh, stables, as it were, uh, knocked a lot of the horse crap out. Um, but it creeps right back in. I mean, it's just human nature. Uh, and that's something else the media doesn't like to cover because uh, in large doses it endangers, you know, their business model because they do. Uh, it's it's I've learned that when I was in the magazine business, uh, there's sort of an understanding you're supposed to go along with all sorts of shady practices. And uh, I said, what? Um, and I got schooled. I mean, I knew people in the media, even the Wall Street Journal. And they said, yeah, yeah, this is the way it goes. I mean, the journal was always pretty straight. Uh, and they were called all sorts of names for that. Um, but uh, uh, that's where it goes. And you can see it, you know, we're hitting peak uh, journalistic corruption in the United States. And of course, that is not a story. We don't really cover it either, not head on. I mean, you know, you just read our coverage and go, well, what are they talking about? That's not what I'm reading, you know, in the, you know, the big, you know, local newspaper or the, the, the you know, the mainstream uh, uh, TV news reports. But if you go to Europe, and we pointed that out, you know, if you want to get a different view of what's going on in your own backyard. You know, check the coverage overseas. It's easy in Britain. It's a little more difficult in, in non-English speaking countries, although they have, uh, they have most of them have English uh, versions of their headline news, as it were. But you'll see it even there. I mean, especially since they have uh, more of the <clears throat> uh, English translations. I think they're finding they're gaining a larger market in the United States for people. You know, it's like Radio Free America is now not coming from America. It's coming from other countries. Uh, but that's always, it's always a trip. I mean, we pointed this out numerous times in Strategy Page over the years. Uh, you get a very interesting, different perspective uh, just reading from other countries. You, you want to find get a really different perspective on what's going on in North Korea? Read the South Korean media. Uh, I, I was over there 50 uh, hey, years Jim, ago. I, yeah, go ahead. Jim, I, I do every day. I read Yon Han. I know. Every we do. day. And, and it's and, just, and, you do get, I'm, I'm chuckling about it, but what you're saying is so uh, on target. I, well, I, yes, and many of our and many of our readers do, but and and I and we still have a lot of journalists here reading strategy page, often on the down low because it's not politically politically correct in some areas. But uh, we were surprised when we found out that uh, a lot the largest chunk of our readership uh, were foreign business people. This is people, you know, who had an economic interest in, in what the heck was going on in the West and, and, the, and the United States and what have you. Uh, and uh, that's probably gone up. I haven't, I, we haven't done those surveys recently. Uh, but, uh, the, and, I, and I've, I've asked them, and we've heard from some of those, some feedback from some of those uh, users, and I asked them, and they all say the same thing. They say, no, you know, we get even-handed. You know, we may not agree with it, but at least we know it's not being, you know, uh, read from some uh, political playbook. Uh, let me let me give an example of this. Uh, just uh, this story has shown up in a few places in the U in the U.S., but South Korea and North Korea in the various meetings that uh, mostly is, is President Moon who's taking uh, uh, doing this, and I, I, I see it as as tied to the. Overall, it's it's aligned with what the, the Trump administration is doing. But here's an here's an example. They agreed. North Korea agreed to let South Korea's essentially its railroad administration get some of their uh, mechanical engineers and uh, construction engineers and uh, a South Korean train train engine was allowed to go on. Oh, both the West Coast route all the way up to the Chinese border, 
uh, that did that earlier this year, but just recently did the East Coast, uh, coming up uh, into that uh, into the, that mountain range that's up in the tri-border area of of, uh, of Russia, China, and uh, and North Korea. And Jan Hop's coverage of it was far more detailed. And here's what one of the uh, of the South Korean uh, again. I'm, construction engineers and mechanical engineers uh, reported is that, all right, we knew this, uh, how bad it was. But he said that the engine, for many stretches, couldn't go over 20 kilometers an hour. In other words, 12 miles an hour because the rail bad was so bad. North Korea let South Korea take data as to where the the, the uh, the the uh, problems were okay, virtually entire the entire route. Now, why is this going on? What's going on? Because South Korea has said, yes, we're interested in helping you uh, modernize your uh, modernize your railroads, and we we'll we'll need the data because we're going to have to figure out how much that's going to cost. But it's not going to happen unless you get rid of your nuclear weapons, and. See, this is this is one of the indi- indicators in there that, that the North, as as it nuts as the Kim regime uh, is and can be, it's also as violent as that regime is. It's also seen a tiny little bit of light saying, "Wait a minute, if we cooperate now, why maybe." Maybe we will be able to improve uh, our lives here and stay alive. It's the time has come to cash in the nukes. All right. I've moved it forward. I don't know that that's going to happen. But Jan Hop covers all of these. This isn't the only one. I've gone into some detail about it because it's it deals with in infrastructure. It also is the South Korean uh, Railroad Ministry was conducting an intelligence operation, Dan, a very detailed intelligence gathering operation about North Korean railroads. And that is a step towards where we talk about verification of the of, uh, <laughs> intensive, sustained verification of North Korean uh, disarmament. Uh, the, one of the big concerns, and still one of my huge concerns, is uh, how is North Korea going to react when they see what we mean we're going to do when we're going to verify that you guys are getting rid of your special weapons? Ah, South Korea, it's not that we couldn't send drones and do it, but South Korea now has detailed, literally, on the rail bed, information about North Korea's Two major rail lines on both on, on both sides of the peninsula. I think the, I think earlier they had already done uh, the rail line that runs kind of from the Kaesong area up to Pyongyang, if I, re- I recall read, uh, reading that. So they've done the the central central one, and Kaesong is the that special economic area uh, in North Korea that during the Sunshine Policy South Korea financed. Uh, so they they check check that line out as well. This is a tentative form of verification, and North Korea's not only permitting it, they're permitting it. They're asking for it, and that's another indication to me when I said that something's changed. Uh, hadn't changed. We haven't achieved what the United States has achieved, what it wants to achieve, and South Korea wants them to get rid of the nukes too. But here's this process. Do you see this covered in in depth in mainstream media? No. Really, you don't. You don't. And I, I, here I went into just providing a detail to support what Jim was saying. By the way, that Spiegel uh, reporter that Jim was talking about, the German magazine, he made up an entire article about, uh, I think the town was in Minnesota, that it, and it was just, just a complete a complete fraud. There were two... It took a little doing, but there were two people in uh, in, in, in the town. That's it. That's it. There were two people in that town that went back and show uh, step by step footnoted all uh, all of his fraud. Interestingly enough, I think one of them said, 
I know one of them said, I read an article about it. She says, I'm not a Donald Trump supporter, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to have somebody come in and lie about my community. You know, I thought, right on, lady. I, th- I think it was the, the, the woman. I'm doing this off the top of my head down on it. But it took an effort by that town to expose this guy. And it is a big deal right now in Germany because he won all the awards. He was a glitzy, you know, a glitzy top flight journalist. Well, he was a fraud. And it turns out that he, a lot of his, uh, uh, his prior uh, articles and reports like that were littered with, uh, with lies. Huh. Too bad, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But nobody has Schadenfreude like the Germans. Yeah. Right. Jim, one of the tidbits that we covered over the last year that I found really interesting was this fact that China's going into Venezuela and helping them create systems to see that they can tell who's loyal uh, using uh, uh, electronic means like the Internet and like that. You want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yeah, that, that's a multi-pronged program. The one that's probably most uh, relevant is their um, biometric identity card uh, system. Now, this is not radical new technology, but the Chinese have implemented it uh, widely in their own country. Um, and it's something we used a lot during the, uh, the, the war on terror, you know, in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, you, you get those, uh, those electronic thumbprints and, uh, and the uh, eye scans um, the iris scans, uh, you know, nobody can hide anymore. Um, and, uh, they basically, uh, distributed those cards, uh, nationwide and you can't get food without those cards. So if you get tagged as a disloyal Venezuelan, no food for you. And often for a a growing number of people in, in Venezuela, that is the only source, the main source of food, um, you know, other than, you know, if you, if, you're, if you have any land where you can have a garden in the backyard, as it were. Um, and, uh, and that does get your attention because everybody and of course, they, they've set up the uh, they expanded the nationwide uh, informant. You know, the Loyal Venezuelan program, this is all right out of the, you know, the, the Bolshevik playbook. Uh, it's nothing new, uh, but they just got better technology to work with. Uh, and, of course, you know, uh, uh, Venezuela is so broke that they can't afford the nationwide, you know, video cam, you know, coverage, which uh, now China has linked to their facial recognition system. I mean, it's, it's actually it's working. It's so good. They, they even use it for verification for uh, credit card payments. You know, you just, you know, look at the look at the camera and it gives you green or red. You know, you're, you're you or you're not or that, you know, you're you're having a bad day in appearance wise. Um, but uh, it's very popular for those people who, who, who actually do not get mixed you know, uh, scores, as it were, on the uh, on the facial recognition, something else they don't talk about. But that's 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 the reality of what actually happens. But they are making progress. But that's you know, that's what happens when you have a police state. Uh, Venezuela, uh, what the Chinese are trying to do is legally get claims on a lot of the uh, the state oil company assets so that when there's a new government, and there will be a new government. It may not be, you know, a, a, a new version of the current government, you know, the Chavista party. Uh, but they want to basically be there as friends of Venezuela. Now, that's probably will be a long haul because a lot of Venezuelans are already grumbling about, you know, what China is doing. I mean, that 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 identity card thing, you know, most Venezuelans know where that comes from. And how it's being implemented, uh, and they're not very happy, but they're starting. So you know, you keep your mouth shut and get whatever food you can. But China is gearing up to deal with the lawyers, international and otherwise, so that when the when the smoke clears, even if a you know a democratic government comes back into Venezuela, they own a chunk. Uh, you know, they have they basically bought certain rights, uh, debt diplomacy, as they call it. You know, for China. Um, but they're shrewd, you know. They they realize that uh, uh, they're not going to be able to rescue, you know, the mess that the uh, the Chavista party has gotten the uh, the Venezuelan economy into. Uh, it's going to take a major political change to allow that to happen. Uh, but they are doing what they can. They are making a difference. 
but not enough. I mean, the uh, the corruption is so extent, you know, uh, uh, widespread. Uh, basically, the problem is the government will will look first at someone's loyalty rather than their competence for any job, and that includes most of the jobs in the state oil company. And unfortunately, those loyal people are are often corrupt people. And so the the uh, despite the Chinese efforts. Uh, the uh, the oil production continues to decline. Uh, you know, more debts are coming due, including Chinese. Uh, they hold a lot of bad, you know, uh, Venezuelan paper, as they say on Wall Street. Um, and uh, this this doesn't really bother the Chinese that much, because that just gives them more standing. You know, when there's a reckoning after the the total collapse. You know, they're just basically the biggest one of the bigger uh, debtors, holders of the, that paper, and that gives them standing in any legal proceedings. And they can then play the good cop again. Say, hey, come on, give the Venezuelans a break. You know, we're willing to give up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Chinese are basically willing to give up a lot in order to establish a permanent presence, as it were, as a as a major minority owner of all those assets. I mean, uh, although Venezuela has low quality, you know, very tar-like oil, uh, they have the largest proof and reserves in the world, over 300, uh, you know, uh, uh, is it billion barrels, trillion barrels, billion No, no. Barrels. hey, G- Jim, it's 300 billion officially, right. but you see in some of the uh, uh, ge- geological studies, it may be 400 billion, and I, that's, you know, that's uh, if you had uh, high-tech uh, drilling and production uh, capabilities, but you know, yeah. 300, 300 billion, I think, is the official number. The biggest problem the Venezuelans have is their oil is very expensive to uh, uh, to refine. It requires a, a few additional steps to, to basically lighten it up, make it sweet, as they say. It's got uh, a ton of sulfur in it. That's one exactly. Of the, yeah, a, a lot. Of, they, they got a lot of uh, bad stuff that got that's got to be gotten out of the oil which normally doesn't come out of sweet crude, which you get a lot of in the United States. The, uh, and unfortunately for the Venezuelans, the, most of the, the, the refineries that are geared to do that are in the United States. Oh, surprise, surprise. We were their biggest customer. And for a long time, they thought they had us over the barrel, so to speak. But then along came fracking. Everybody's friend. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they basically uh, have lost that card. Uh, they can't be too, you know, how should I put it, mean uh, economically towards the United States because we're holding their, their key cards. Uh, it's a sad situation. Um, and until adults get you know, put in charge of the, of the government or at least the economy, uh, it's not going to get any better. Again, this, this gets misreported in the United States. They, they dance around what the real problems are. And, of course, they don't mention China. Uh, which is doing a, a very elegant end run. We don't regularly cover Venezuela anymore because peace has broken out completely in uh, in uh, Colombia, which is which has always long been our main focus. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, a, a slow motion train wreck, which is what's going on uh, in Venezuela. Even for us, uh, you know, it doesn't make something you can cover. I mean, you know, it's like logistics. You know, you write military history. The last thing you want to cover is logistics, but that's the key element. Uh, so we've got the same situation here with Venezuela. Uh, it's why, all as an aside, quick aside, it's why uh, many yeah, states and cities in the United States are close to bankruptcy because the politicians realized a long time ago uh, that you can borrow stuff like pensions. You can promise all sorts of pension forms and you'll be dead and gone before this this uh, this fraud you basically committed, you know, ever comes due, ever becomes it gets to the point where it can't be ignored, and that's why Detroit went bankrupt, and Chicago and the state of California and a few other large entities are uh, are approaching the moment of truth. But the, but the people who began it and perpetrated it uh, for decades, you know, are, are either out of office uh, or are. Literally dead, and that's that's a weakness in in modern politics. Uh, you can basically make long range financial decisions, which can be hidden with rhetoric and basically, you know, being nice to the press. And that's and plus, most importantly, it's boring. Trying to explain it, you know, is just not something. You know, I knew I was I, I was I was working full time down in uh, Wall Street uh, in 2008 before that since, and there were a lot of people down there who were aware of what was going on with these, uh, you know, these consolidated you know debt obligations, and uh, that they were they were fraudulent. I mean, it was even be report, being reported in the media, but 
nobody was, uh, you know, and people who would come on the, uh, you know, on, on the tube and make the connections, people said, no, that can't be. You know, I mean, literally, the news managers I spoke to said, that's incredulous. That, that's impossible. Who would do something as stupid as that? And I said, well, look, look, talk to the standard, talk to the rating agencies. I mean, I have people in the rating agencies complaining to me. You know, there's money to be had, so everybody sort of bent the rules a little bit. And before you know that, the rules were doing a U-turn. Uh, and um, and that's still a scandal, which has produced a lot of good books, which not enough people have read, because it's going to happen again. Uh, you know, so it's not just in politics, it's not just in, in political finance, as it were, uh, uh, but also in national finance, uh, you know, who's guarding the guards? And that's always a problem. That, that was a Roman saying originally, and, and they knew, and it hasn't changed. Austin, it's time for us to wrap up. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I think I think this has been uh, one of the more interesting um, yearly reviews uh, that we've done, because in, uh, we have <laughs> talked about some very um, <laughs> dire uh, potential wars. Um, Korea could explode. Uh, China versus the United States. China versus India. Uh, again, I don't. I don't seek a, a new Great Congo War, but Congo is un, uh, un, unsettled. We we didn't get into Iran and Yemen, but Iran is reeling economically. So we did get into it when I we with some of the economic talk. But uh, what what Jim and I've been talking about and here here are two of them: information sources and reliability. That's come up in and also granularity of it. What if you want to know something about uh, what's current? On the Korean Peninsula, read South Korean English language media, and I I know from Koreans I know. Hey, we write the same thing in English that we have, write in Korean. It's not like as, as Jim points out what you get with the uh, a lot of the Arabic press. No, it's it's the same stuff in 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 both languages. Uh, you have to sometimes read between the lines. No, it, of course it's it's not uh, perfect, but you get some insight into it over, over over time. And of course, South Korea <laughs> looks at North Korea very, very carefully because because of the threat. And then uh, Jim brought up the Spiegel uh, uh, story and also distortion in mainstream media. Uh, no wonder it's hard for the, uh, I, I say, you know, look, most people, you've got too much to do. You, you rely on a summary to tell you uh, in some sort of summary, a summary news report to give you vital information about you know, the American security or the American economy. And if it's distorted, biased politically, or, 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 or you're not you're not getting uh, getting what you need. And here's the blatant example of the journalistic superstar in Germany who's a screaming fraud. And also missing the big stories often here in the U.S. So, economy and information. We spent more time on that really than on military and diplomacy in some ways. I think uh, that's it's, what it's, I want it's, to say. It's logistics again. And one, there we are. There yeah, we are. And one, one final thing: Google Translate is doing much better. Uh, there are many times there's a there's a foreign language source, whether it be South Korean or even Chinese outside of China. Uh, where there is no English language version. And if you've been using Google Translate, even if for East Asian languages, because they have different idioms and, are, and a different way of, you know, how should I put it, you know, presenting information, you know, linguistically, uh, uh, you can make sense of it. Uh, and if you, if you want to practice, take their English language, you know, version and go back to the original and put it through Google Translate and you'll see what I mean. You can make sense of what they're talking about. Uh, oh, God. Uh, I, I I haven't done that in a while. It's interesting that it's well, been I've been, I've been forced <laughs> over the years because it took a while for some of the more interesting uh, South Korean media uh, to have English language editions. And uh, and I've noticed, I mean, early on, the, the Google Translate was really, you know, crude. You had to really know what I mean there. Uh, it required a lot of background knowledge. But I've noticed recently, and when I'm, when I'm going in and translating some technical topics, so to speak, uh, uh, from uh, Korean or Japanese, even uh, uh, I can understand it. 
uh, granted, I've been doing this for a long time, uh, but you know, they give a pretty. I'm looking for specific facts, and they are in there, and you can get them out. So, like I say, if you're if you're if you're dubious of, of you know uh, them saying the same thing in English as they say in their native language, just run the original through Google Translate, well, it, and you'll see what I mean. You can verify. In other words, you don't have to just trust. You can verify. <laughs> trust and verify. Look, South Korea though is. Um, Interesting uh, place for uh, they do a lot of of translation into English and Japanese, and now increasingly into into Chinese. It's part of the fact that that South Korea is something of a little cultural power with all the K-pop bands, the, yeah. the Korean pop, the Korean pop girl, uh, girl bands, and the like. Uh, they're very popular. Throughout Asia, uh, all I mean, all the all, all, all the way down down to India. In other words, they're they're exporting rock and roll, uh, t- television shows, uh, and, and movies, and it's they're very. They I, I can't say, of course, everything's uh, uh, automatically translated. It's not, but they do a lot of it, and a lot of a lot of their of their reporting articles. Uh, you get an English language version. Fairly quickly, if not, you know, the same day that it appears in in, in Korean. Yeah, on, so. on the on the top, you'll see a bar in in Japanese says Japanese version, in English says English version, yeah. and China says Chinese version. Um, and and your Austin's quite spot on. It's become quite standard in uh, Korea because, as the North Koreans have learned to their regret, uh, K-pop has basically conquered. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, undermined uh, their yeah. army. Well, not only that, but the, uh, the the upper class, you know, the three percent of the population that basically runs the place, their children are out of control. They they yeah. openly ha- have their hair cut in South Korean styles. Now they arrest the, the children of lesser mortals for doing that. But you know, the 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 princes, as they princes and princesses, as they say, fought it and they get away with it. That's an interesting change yep. in South Korea. Yep, and yep. North Korea. Yeah, yeah, well, it is. But that's also when I, when I say that South Korea has become something of a miniature cultural power. It's not not really miniature when you look. No, there are there are there are there are major uh, exporter of culture uh, in East Asia. I mean, yep. Japan had its had its moment and what have you. China hasn't had it yet. But the South Koreans, I mean, they haven't got any baggage like the Japanese did. Um, and they can, they're obviously closer to it, uh, you know, Japanese and Chinese culture. And bingo, they're spot on. And they, they're really cashing in on that. That's something you rarely hear. Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, remember that uh, video that Psy made, you know, about oh, yes, Gangnam, yes. Gangnam Style? Oh, yes, yes. They, they and I look. I've talked to Koreans uh, about this. Some of this, the influence, long-term influence of uh, having young American GIs hanging out in Seoul. All right. Well, oh, even more important. But guess what? Is all those as all the this South Korean soldiers served sure. in, as Katusas, uh in the in the U.S. Army. Uh, that's where they got the sensibility because uh, no. they, these guys spent a year. You know, living in the same barracks. I, I'll never forget that. We had the Katusas living in our barracks. If you could speak enough, good enough English when you graduated from high school and you got drafted, you could serve in the American Army, not the South Korean Army, which makes a big difference. Well, right. it did so, back so, 50 years ago. And these so, guys absorbed, better for better or worse, American culture. <laughs> well, to someone would think it was worse. It's cultural. I know. I know. I have to. I said that. Right, right. I know you did, but the the, the thing is, is that the, the, what these young South Koreans have decided: hey, if you can rock and roll in L.A., you can rock and roll in Seoul. So exactly, right. they made it. They made it happen. Anyway, well, our time is well spent. So next year, next year, <laughs> yeah, next yeah, year. we'll be talking to you both next year. Bye, bye, uh, bye. Take care.